0: Yeah. 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 Captain. Yeah. Captain. Yeah. Well connected. Do this for my people off the boat. They try to change the books and set the scope. Try to keep us down, but they can close. We coming through and kicking down the dope. We here now, can't close. It. The true self and exposed. We the ones who's chosen. Sent us from the chemical ocean. Activity was to don't so act like we never told you Whole tap been knowing you been showing And we still glowing The media trying to bash you We said keeps the queen Convincing but the slavery ain't the master Better take back what we crafted What we mastered What they after Take back the upper hand And leverage back and disregard the masses My team is well connected My team is well respected Undisputed, no question Not a victim nor oppressive. Moving in the right direction the Conscious mind, resurrection My team is well connected Whole tap, we guess it. It. My team is well connected My team is well respected. Undisputed, no question. Not a victim nor oppressive, Moving in the right direction. Conscious mind resurrection. My team is well connected. hotel you can guess. guess.
1: What's up, what's up, world? Peace, love, and blessings. It's your host, T Cat. This is Well Connected. So, we live. Episode 18. Make sure you check out last week's episode, episode 17, entitled "For the Culture." Very dope episode. But this week, have a very special guest. Going to be very informative. It's going to be very lit. Make you definitely thinking for sure. So as usual, make sure you stay tuned, stay hip, stay connected. All right, we live. As I said before, have a very special guest today with us. We have none other than Miss. Ajaya Devine in the building. Say what's up. Peace and love, beautiful souls. What's up? All right. So, um, Ajaya, please, Miss Divine, tell us a little bit, tell us a little bit about, about yourself. Okay. Um,
2: I am 31. I am a mother of a two-year-old, so that lets you know where I am in life. Uh, I have a master's in education. Um, I play basketball overseas. <laughs> in college. Um, I am helping found a lack of, I mean, what it is, a new nation for us to be a part of. Um, I like to write. I wrote a book. I just recently self-published a book, Sister Sister, A Woman's Guide to Self, Um, and I like to do poetry pretty much me in a speedy
1: little nutshell well definitely a a renaissance woman I see um very talents a lot of talents a lot of different traits so cool all right so obviously you have a lot of different uh background and things and interests um so one thing you know I want to touch on first is uh you know you know you say you have you know a master's in education and it's very interesting for me um if you don't know I'm a substitute teacher and a basketball coach as well so just that whole experience, especially facing today's youth, I think a lot of people are not really kind of attached to a sense of what's really happening, like not understanding. It's not the same as when we were growing up. Uh, it's a lot different now, especially with the different things that kids face and different circumstances. So I guess in general, uh, what's your experience coming up uh, in education and eventually you know, getting your master's in that? Um, I mean, where to begin?
2: As far as education, my background um, is I was a successful student with no guidance. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where my passion for education came from because I realized that there are students that what we want to call fall through the cracks, but we don't know they're falling through the cracks either. So that um, they might be honor roll students, but still really have no direction, no guidance, no anything go to college and fall off or get in a career or anything like that. So that's where my passion for education um, stemmed from was just the, the lack of guidance and the lack of answers I seem to find in school. Um, and today it's worse. Like as a substitute teacher, a school counselor, um, I've seen it firsthand that school is completely irresponsive to, the children's needs to our students' needs. And, um, they know it and they're not unlike maybe some of us, they don't go along just to get along. Like they're not, that's not this generation that's in school. That's not, they're not going along. They see that it's wrong. They know they aren't getting anything from it and they're rebelling. And, um, because we're not feeding them. We're, we're testing them. We're, um, trying to make it look good on paper but as far as just their their intelligence, their intellect, nurturing their creativity, none of that is really going on in most schools, especially the inner city schools that are um, have like Fs or we call them in India anyway they F schools or their test scores are down way below standard. Um, the school I worked with 75 percent 75 percent of our population was not on grade level with reading. And math, and another, almost thirty-five to forty percent were labeled so-called. Um, what's the term? They they change the term all the time. Uh, learning disabled or learn had learning disabilities. Most of them stem from behavior issues more than actual cognitive ability. But that's another issue. So.
1: Right. Yeah, and definitely I can attest to that. Um, just being a substitute teacher and also just a, a mentor and a tutor, I work in many inner city school districts. Um, I work in a summer program past five years, and uh, one of the inner city schools in my uh, city. And uh, just, just the academic aspect to it, like, you know, there are only 8% of the kids in the district, um, excuse me, in the elementary school, are testing. All the things, like, five or six elementary schools are, even, are just proficient in math. Um, so that's only, that's just that's just average so every other kid is below basic um, and this just all the other you know startling numbers you see in a lot of fall-ups fall offs um, with just kids and there's a lot of factors that go into it <clears throat> from again the nurturing aspect is definitely one one key thing um, the kids understanding that this what they're learning is they' they're taking advantage of it They're like right, we're rebelling like you said um, mm-hmm. I heard stories the kids are saying how um, you know la- last year they Complain because some of the work was too hard so teachers just gave in and said okay we don't gotta do it then we don't do that since it's too hard for y'all you know what i mean they're taking advantage of the system like they know Uh, what they they can do so um, oh man they definitely
2: take advantage of the system and i mean because no one really just enjoys doing busy work and that's what a lot of them are doing so they will say it's hard before they even as a as a substitute teacher i've had people tell me it's hard we don't know how to do this Mm -hmm. and i literally read it and it's it's dang, they're labeling. Mm-hmm. I'm like, seriously, y'all? Like, you know, so they do, they do take advantage. And they try to play to the fact that we play down their intelligence, so they play dumb. hmm Like.
1: All right, and, and these kids definitely finesse, and I see it all the time, just in my <laughs> summer job right now, working as a tutor in this, uh, in this school district. I mean, I help with the kids. There's time to come to me and say, oh, I need, I need help. And I'm like, okay, did, did you try it? Like, no, I need help. And it's like, they even, like, even try to look at it, you know, they just want you to, you know, kind of, slide them along definitely there are kids who do need to help for sure but a lot of kids who are actually very intelligent very intelligent in young men and women and because of that intelligence you know they they try to finesse at times um mm-hmm. so that's a big factor so in today's um system obviously you know especially within you know the black community inner city schools we see in lower test scores we're seeing these different a lot of different factors affecting these kids uh, what do you feel i guess are some of the biggest problems that are going on right now
2: opinion, because this is how I relate to kids, is there is a lack of a relationship being built between teachers, faculty, staff, and the students. Like, um, there's a lack of general respect between the faculty and the students, and they pick up on that. You know, um, a lot of staff, their their first concern is not the student. It's their job. And then it's their personal life, which I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just the fact. This is just the fact of the matter. Um, and then it's their personal life. And then there's, you know, relationships among other faculty within the building. And then there's the children. And I think we've, we've adopted this shut up. Kids are to be seen and not heard. And y'all don't have anything to add attitude towards, um, the children, even the ones that are mean mean well, that underlining tone is still there. Even if they want to be like sweet and help them or whatever, just the underlining tone of this. Um. That we don't respect them, or they're they're below us somehow because they're children. It's like no, they're younger than us, so we have more life experience. But they're they're still humans, like. And I think that basic attitude leads a lot of children just to act out and just not respect. You have to give respect to get respect. And this these students today, live, like they live by that. No matter how old you are, what your position is, whatever, because they've seen adults do crazy, crazy things. They see it on the Internet all the time. Mm-hmm. So we pretty much demolish the idea of respecting adults because we see re- adults do Un, not respectable things on the internet, media, the news, war. We see they see us doing this very things that we are trying to tell them not to do, and supporting the very values that we tell them are bad. They see us supporting it everywhere else besides in the school. So I think that disconnect is the main problem. Because I have a friend who's you know very much like me. He's really good at building relationships. Seventh grade science teacher. And he doesn't have nearly the trouble in his class. His class runs like clockwork. They respect him. Of course, they have bad days. But for the most part, they respect him. He doesn't have issues. He can leave his class and come back, and it's still in one piece. And I think that lack, um, we've focused so much on can a teacher pass a test. Oh, and he never actually passed his teaching license. He He missed it by two points all four times he took it but yet has gotten above average reviews at every job, at every school, at every everything. Promotions back to back to back is actually going to become a administrator. It's going back to school to become an administrator. So we focus so much on this test to make this teacher's pass that we don't actually filter out which people would make good teachers that would make the children want to learn. We're just like, can you cover this information? Okay so i think for me that's one of the simple things that we can that we can fix because i mean we just got to pick our teachers better you know um, we need different requirements our faculty our staff everybody in the school we need to have a different mindset of what makes a good teacher a good educator a good principal all that stuff we need to change
1: the the standards on that right and i Definitely agree I think Cultural cultural, And just relationships Is a very Big factor into it um, And especially A lot of these inner city schools Like They're mostly times Are mostly black Or you know, Hispanic children And most all Teachers are, are white um, Now just in terms of Now am I saying, Am I saying White teachers Can't teach black kids No absolutely not But I'm saying In terms of There's a culture factor We have to build A relationship And understand that some, Now I was telling my kids This at, at times Some teachers Cannot relate to them In terms of understanding where they come from, the background, stuff they face, different circumstances. I mean, there's some kids who don't even eat like all day. Like when they come to school, only time to eat. Like there's there's a lot of different factors going into it, crazy household situations. So as a whole, those are some factors I think goes into of just understanding the kids um, and, and, and being able uh, to build that trust up. Um, and then in conjunction with the fact that the kids already know that they can take advantage of the system at times. And then they already know. Well, look, this teacher can't you're not to understand me. You know, it's not a conducive situation. Now, building on that though, that's one. At the same time, like I think the home support is a very big factor as well. Um, having some type of positive influence. Um, there's so many kids like the, the parents stuff. They just don't. They don't care. Like we, there are times you know my as a, you know, summer program I have. We want to send home maybe a little homework stuff dude do it so, you know, the, the kids can do with their parents and stuff. But, like, none of the parents are doing this with them. Um, you know, it's just like this is like daycare for them a lot of times the school is. And when you have that, it's not, you know, productive because the school's not supporting you and then you don't have a real positive environment at home supporting you. The kids get kind of left out on their own. And then people think, oh, they're just bad kids. It's like, no, nah, they don't have that support. And that's what you were saying before. Like, you could be an honor student. You can, you know, you get good grades just naturally being gifted. But if you don't have support guiding you to the right place or utilizing um, your talents and you know, or, you know, your your intellect, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't go anywhere.
2: <laughs> and it's hard, to get, it's hard to get children to buy in that education is important if your parents don't, not even say they don't buy in, but they don't actually support the acts that make education important if you don't make sure your child is doing your, their homework. If you don't actually, if they never see you read and pick up a book, what makes you think they're going to want to read to learn whatever they need to learn in school? Because they learn by modeling first. So you're, if, as, even as a parent who's saying, you need to do your homework, you need to do it in school, but they've never, ever, ever seen you do anything educational. Even if you say, well, I graduated, I did, you know what I mean? I did, da 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 So now they're like, well, all I got to do is graduate. Right. They don't actually value the education because that's all their parents talking about will graduate you know so I think um I think that's just a lack of the actual value of education across society and and within the community um I think that is a big factor but I think that happens because education became not education it became uh memorization and it became testing and it became follow the rules, it, didn't be, it wasn't about nurturing you and teaching you how to think and making your, you know growing your brain, it was about memorization so you could f- pass these tests so you could get a job or get to college get a job and be a worker like that's what education became so it did essentially lose its value because what's left in school today that we're learning is so far below our potential like, if we're literally the same people who built the pyramids, the fact that they're learning, people are doing algebra 2 senior year of high school, (laughs) like, (laughs) are struggling to pass, or people are going to college and still struggling to pass um, the one math class you need to get any degree, you gotta pass one math class, and people are struggling to pass that, lets you know that education has fell very, very far from what it used to be when we were in our culture,
1: right. let's just say that. Yeah, facts, and, and I agree. Um, and there's so many factors that go into that as well, and just, it, it's, it's changed a lot. Um, you know, we can, you know, grow up in an American school system, you know, you can, everyone you'll teach, you learn the same thing, the same history books, you know I mean, one side of the story, and you know, you get a certain inf- certain information and different skills, like, well they always say like our school systems don't necessarily they don't they don't prepare you for real life and things. Like think about high schools and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know like these high school I didn't go to like I went to like we didn't learn like things about investment, um, things about, you know, or, or accounting, economics, um, really about the, the environment or things about healthy living. Like real actual skills or uh things you need to learn in life to be successful. You know, and then when you get to college I always said this, man, I got to college, man, I felt like, man, high school ain't prepared for this, like, in ter- I could handle it, you know what I mean, it wasn't overwhelming, anything like that, but in terms of everything I just learned in high school, in terms of an academic aspect, you know what I mean, like, it was kind of back to stage one again, because um, yeah. I learned this stuff back over again, taking these same math class again, the basic English stuff, building it back up, so I think it's, you know, really how you utilize your experience in special education, and then especially within you know, the black community and with these kids and children nowadays, you know people want to help. And there's some people who just are, are there for exploiting it for their own personal reasons. Like you said, a lot of teachers are just trying to get their name up or their brand up. Or um, I know one thing interesting, especially after the uh, recession hit, back you know, in 2008, uh, a lot of people who were laid off, they became substitute teachers. And so then you had a lot of people who were just there for a paycheck i mean just support the family whatever it may be no actual cultural relationship or any want to have a relationship and i guess overlooked (laughs) a lot
2: because um a lot of people
0: weren't didn't really want to be
2: teachers full-time either because it is challenging especially with today's youth and so then you do get subs uh all the time like i've been a so i used to be subs for like weeks a week or two here and there and there and they always try to like because I was substituted different districts all around all across the city, so and they'll try to like you want to come work here like you want to come be a building sub like every day because it's like mm-hmm. literally teachers were quitting and they were trying to hire and then once you get to like spring break if you whatever teacher is not hired if you have a spot empty it stays empty so then you have you're filling that with subs and you're feeling that with busy work and no one likes busy work like no one likes busy work it's, it's insulting to give people busy work and then there's no one running the class or there's no lesson plan there's no anything so it's just um, the I mean I get calls now still they're like asking me to come back to sub like what are you doing do you want to sub like that's how that's Education system has become, it's, it's eating itself alive, basically, is what's happening. And although it's it sucks for the children that are in it and what's going on, but it just needs to happen. Right. <laughs> like, it just, I mean, it has to, because it's not doing what it needs to do.
1: All right, because definitely I, I feel that just myself being a substitute teacher. Um, and I have the advantage of. Being a young sub, all right. Like, I, I was 23 when I started subbing, you know, 24 now, so I've been for a whole year. And you know, especially being a young black male sub, not that many male teachers in general, not that many black male teachers, and not that many young black male teachers. <laughs> so, just as a relationship aspect, um, you know, what I mean, um, it, it, it in terms of relating to the kids, one thing I tell them, I have a little like speech where I go to school and sub it, like yeah, but like, listen, hey. Um, you know, welcome today, I take attendance I say listen, I was a kid before here I know you had a sub, it's time to, you know, you mess around You know what I mean, it's time to have fun I listen, I'm not the one <laughs> Don't try that with me I'm like, I'm not gonna treat you like, I'm not gonna treat you guys like little kids If you guys give me respect, I'll, I'll give you. you Give me respect, I'll give y'all respect That's simple If you wanna act like little kids, you can treat like little kids Beside them, I treat you like adults Um, I tell them, I say hey look, um, uh, listen If y'all have y'all phones and stuff out Just keep that low key if you have y'all music, just keep it low, keep it down. And then just like, if y'all talk, keep it appropriate. Biggest thing, be productive. Have something on your desk. And because of that, like, it helps out because a lot of the time I think substitute teachers and people want to micromanage the kids. Yeah, They're going to do this stuff regardless, in fact. Whether you scream into them or whatever, whatever happens, they're going to do stuff regardless. So you treat them like, again, you treat them like people. You know what I mean? Not looking down on them. Yeah, you they, had their kids. You have a more life experience. And you had to maybe, you know, immature certain aspects. But, they're you have a conversation with these kids man they're the not people mm-hmm. like like i've had full like just general conversation with like first graders and stuff before <laughs> like i mean I, I
2: do a, that's my favorite part of the job like, just talking to them just to see where their heads are like that's just great like you know what i mean like I'm, they're the best teachers because they're usually just so open and honest and like see things in a way that we don't see them Right. So we can definitely have, we need to be having conversations. Like I feel like school should be more of teachers having conversations than teaching, you know, like, um, because as far as memorizing facts and, and learning concepts, that's, that's the easy part. You know what I mean? Like, cause people learn concepts, pass the test and forget them, but it's about really building that relationship and really being able to drive these concepts home in a, real life way you know what i mean like relating to them in a real life even if the only real life way is they relate to you and you are teaching them you know what i mean like what that con, like this that conversation that relationship is is has to be there like and it, it goes for coaching too you know what i mean like those are the best coaches like i like uh, my the second team i coached um seventh grade they just graduated high school this year okay. I it. So I got it. and I—I I mean, I coached them for one year, and I—they like find me on Twitter, and just all kinds of stuff, and like they still, I, my number hasn't changed, so some of them still have it. They'll just randomly text me, and then I'm like, y'all, it's been like five years, and it's just um, their parents still like see me out, and they like to speak to me all the time. So it's—it's it's definitely about building relationships, and we were successful, like. I took a bunch of girls that had never really played basketball. I had a couple of studs, I did, but I took some girls that never really played basketball. I um, built relationships with them first, let them know the expectations, and taught them skills that they said that they wanted to learn, and we won. Like, we lost two games all season, you know, like, we stayed out of trouble, because, I mean, they were a trouble bunch, you know, for the most part. Um, I probably did have one person suspended every game, but that was good. Like, you know what I mean? Like that—that <laughs> that wasn't bad. That was actually like a good thing. Like, only one in some game. A lot of games we had a lot. We had most of our girls, but um, so it—it it is definitely. Um, it's just the relation. I feel like the relationship is so important to education because if they can't relate to you, then how are they going to relate to what you're saying? like some can and some will just listen to the facts that you're saying because they're interested in the subject but most people are drawn to the teacher then the subject you know especially because we're forcing them to go it's not like they chose to go to school right. like we're forcing them to go mm-hmm. so we at least gotta put somebody in front of them that they find interesting and that they can be feel a connection with
1: right and connections it goes a long way just like this podcast called well connected but uh so with the kids like I, I can attest, like, this for me, myself, being a coach. So I started off as a 7th grade co- boys' middle school coach, and then I moved up to uh, JV head, boys' head coach uh, okay. at my old high school. So starting with my 7th graders, um, you know, those are, like, you know, it's, talent is raw. You know, this is their first time really playing organized basketball. You know what I mean? They're learning. you are still teaching the general fundamentals of the game and everything. And that's kind of the best time with those kids. Cause you see the pure joy and just, like, the excitement and just the – they're innocent still, uh, or just having these conversations and seeing type of people they're growing into, and then as you move up, and move up to like high school. You know, a lot of these kids and stuff they don't have someone that's going to tell them like productive things like, "Hey, like you're doing a good job. It's okay." Like, because you know they have so many different situations they've been in, um, and really, you know, it, it's it's how you relate to the kids. And that's one thing about coaching. It's really how you, how you, can you can you get a kid's respect? That's the biggest thing. One people's respect um and can you utilize your your kids talents and strengths to the best um, and just and i think that's, that goes a long way just in coaching but just in life in general and just raising kids um just you know in terms of academically are you hey are you, are you doing good are you, are you challenging them academically don't just say like oh i mean that's okay like you know be congratulate them and do good but then push them to do better don't just be average and i feel at times in today's society we have kind of a average mindset in terms of just oh so that, that's okay good job like it's it we're not pushing them to strive for better we're, we're low having the standard set low and the bar set lower and because of that i mean i think people are settling in terms of not pushing to achieve uh bigger things and i think that's what the youth i mean <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. I'm not that much older than these kids, but it's a whole different generation. Just the mindset is a whole different... I feel a lot of these kids, honestly, like, they're soft nowadays. I feel like... They, compared to us growing up, these kids seem a lot softer. Just in terms of, I don't know, like, light-skinned, new nigga culture, these kids, like... <laughs> that, like, they sweet. I, and, and, like, I'm not saying they're all soft, but it's, like, it's different stuff in terms of just their emotional, more emotional, um, different things yeah. they worry about. Um, and especially... I think a lot of it has to do with factor of them growing up in today's age of social media and technology. Yeah. Um, you know, them all have you know smartphones, cell phones, get on Twitter, YouTube. Like, I mean, people don't realize the kids and stuff. I mean, they they listen and watch all the same exact shows that we watch adults do. <laughs> like, same exact music, all that. I mean, a little first graders who were finishing lines for me. <laughs> like, um, yep. and it's crazy. And then, and that's one thing I guess we can transition to, and especially parents relationship with kids. And I, and I said this all the time. It's like, listen, parents have to be. Understand kids Emulate their behavior Okay Whether well, you realize it or not So You watch all the different shows Like, like Love and Hip Hop Basketball Wives Or You know what I mean Just a lot of your rowdy TV shows Or playing on the same music As music around the kids They listen to all that And they emulate that behavior Um I had a little girls the other day <laughs> Little first graders We were telling them they have to do A project on some role models They're like Okay They're like Oh well Can we pick them from Love and Hip Hop <laughs> And I was just like Like what <laughs> I was like why you watch the show? But she was so serious, like so serious. And that is the
2: thing about it is we know whoever we put in front of them, they are going to idolize. Whoever whoever we give our attention to, they are going to idolize. Like because that's who they. You know what I mean? Like if you think about all the people, if we go like music wise, if you think of all the people that make music, when they say who their inspirations are, their early inspirations are always whoever their parents listen to. You know what I mean? So it's like whatever your parents are watching when you're three, four or five, six, seven, before you can kind of branch out on your own a little bit more, like that is we're building the foundation for what they're gonna build the rest of their interests on. So yes, like you watch love and hip hop. Maybe you don't exhibit that behavior, but you watch it, you laugh at it, you find it entertaining. Your children essentially do want to please you. So if that's what you find entertaining or if that's what's going to get them attention, that's what they're going to do. And then what do you see on the news? What do you see in media? Who do you see getting attention? Like, um, I mean, my views on politics are a little, you know, not normal, you know, a little different than most. But Michelle Obama was like a great role model for young black women besides love and hip hop. You know what I mean? besides Nicki Minaj, besides like besides that, what they push in the media. And I don't think any of those women on the show, Nicki Minaj, whoever, I don't think that's them. I don't think that's who they are. I think they're playing a character to make money, just like all of us go to work to make money. Everybody does something to make money. And it just theirs is just put on front street. You know what I mean? Like, they... Are pushed to try to get our children to accept those values and be affected by that. And um, so, where 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 is your child being exposed to positive role models? Because it's not it's not on television. It's not on World Star. <laughs> like if you're not actively exposing them, there's a good chance that they're not getting it. And they're going to emulate that behavior. They're going to, I mean, we got, we, I, hell, I graduated in 04. So I can remember in middle school, um, not so much high school, cause I went to a private high school, but in middle school, I can remember people fighting. I can remember getting attitudes. I can remember getting kicked out of class. I can remember all of that, but just the, the level of the blatant, like just, they don't give a fuck in the school, like in middle school, elementary school, I, the worst class I've ever had was an elementary school. Um, well, it was a tie. One was like a third grade class and one was a sixth grade class. And only two times I ever thought about it as a substitute teacher just leaving. Like, I'm just gonna leave. Like I can keep all of the money, um, all of it. Cause the first, the second, third grade class. I called the principal. She took about twenty minutes to get down there, which I know principals can be busy. But as a sub, if a sub is calling you, I think that might—I don't know—that might be a priority. Um, and she came down there. She was like, "What are they supposed to be doing?" And I was like, "Well, we're supposed to do this music music game or something, where I play music and they had a—I don't know—I forget what it was." And she goes, "Just push play," and she turns around and leaves the room. <laughs> That's the principal. <laughs> like what? So what am I supposed to do as a substitute teacher when right. your principal literally and they're literally running around this music class, banging on drums, like hanging off because there's a handicap rail, hanging off of the handicap rail, and I'm like, is she literally just left? And I was like, well, all right, this is how you run your school, so this is I shouldn't be worried because this is just you didn't seem worried, so I'm not worried. And then the sixth grade classes, I was calling people. Nobody ever came. Hmm. Like, nobody ever came. And I felt like I was, like, two seconds off of slamming this little boy <laughs> to the ground. Mm-hmm. Like, because he was just pushing me there on purpose. And I was just like, and the other, rest of the kids are running around crazy, yelling. And, like, it was, like, literally I would tell them to do something, not even anything hard. And they would literally do the opposite just to do the opposite. Like, one of those type of classrooms where, like, you're literally doing the opposite of what I said just because you want to be difficult. Not because, like, I would be like, "Um, just go over here, sit down, get a partner. We're going to do a group of three, and we sitting over there. Like, you're just being (laughs) difficult for the fact of the matter is because I'm a sub, and you feel like, I can't fuck you up, and I can't, but I would. Like, that's how, that's where I was. I was calling people, and nobody would come. And I'm like, this is our school system. Like, this is it. And it's, it is, it's, it's challenging, because I know it's not, it's not them. For them to act this way in the school system, it means the school system is failing them. They're not failing. The school system is failing, which means we're failing. So I don't blame them, but in the moment, I'm just like... Where is just the minimum, like, the minimum behavior of what just decent behavior is? But look at what they're watching. You know what I mean? Like, they're watching grown people have fits and fight and throw stuff and da-da-da-da-da-da. So if that's what grown folks do, what are children... Children are going to do the same thing. We expect it kind of from children, but we're supposed to teach them to do better, but if we or sitting there watching people do the very things we tell them not to do. If that's not a mixed message, then you know what is. Like, how are we gonna improve anything if we just continue to do the same things? Like,
1: right. And we gotta break break the break the cycle. Um, and exactly. we, there's no support at home, and especially like you said, just kids aren't failing. We're we're failing the kids. The system's failing the kids, and there's no real urgency and in and, and trying to fix it I think people almost have grown content with it almost um, because they're not they're not seeing they don't understand the factors influence it they don't understand that they play a large factor into it so I kind of transition to the next point here and so just like you know uh, parents adults we you know we're we're not doing better for the kids but as a community as a whole there are so many pitfalls that we have to overcome um, and have to do a lot better and so what do you feel, I guess, are kind of some of the biggest problems facing just the, the black community in general?
2: Um, I think our biggest problem... I think our biggest problem is economic. Not because we don't have the means to do well, because there are countries that have way less than us that do fine. However being in the rat race and struggling with economics causes so much trickle down where from stress from parents, they don't want to deal with their children. You know what I mean? Like, cause they're stressed out trying to pay bills and it doesn't matter if you're smart and you have a degree if you can't get a job. And you know, like there, I think a lot of our things stem from economics. People are having, people are having, um, um, sorry, my son just came outside. I'm scared. Um, people are having to resort to what is considered criminal activity to eat and to do all these things. And they're not so now, now they're they're disinterested in education because education doesn't pay the bills education you know what I mean like they have so much stress and worry on them that education is the last one of the last things on their mind like you said earlier you have people that don't even come to school like they don't eat until they come to school what good is an education if you're hungry like what good is what good is the education if you don't have clothes to put on your back what good is an education if you don't even feel loved and secure in your home you know what I mean like what good is education if you feel like you're going to be dead by the age of 22 anyway? So, I think if we could relieve the economic strain, whether it's whether it's actually mental, it's a, cause we, I, I think a lot of our economic struggle is mental is because we've been made to believe that we're poor. We've been made to believe that what we have isn't good enough and that it can't be something else. You know what I mean? Like, so part of our economic problem is our brain. You know what I mean? And how we see it. And, um, but of course there are people out there that are struggling too. So I think that, I think that alone, because I, when I played, I played, when I played overseas, I played in Holland, which is part socialism. Hmm. I never saw one homeless person. No one ever begged me for money. Um, and that right there, I think, takes a certain burden and, and lets people's spirits be higher. You know, like they still went to work every day. They still, you know, have a government, they still, but they know even if I go to work and have the worst day ever, I get fired, never can't find a job for two years. I'm going to have a place to live. I'm going to be able to eat and I'm going to be able, you know what I mean? I, and and I, I can sleep somewhere I can eat and basic needs will be met. So if you knew that much, I think that gives you – because they were just in a better mood in general, like over there, mm-hmm. with no, even with the little bit of sunshine they got. Like they were just generally happier people because they weren't worried about that. So now their children are more carefree at home, and they go to school with better attitudes from the jump. They still go to school. I mean, they had a lot more free freedom. They let their, we, I stayed across the street from an elementary school. I swear those kids were always outside. Like, <laughs> do y'all learn anything? I mean, their their school day was shorter and they were always outside. <laughs> and they just would let them out. They would just let them out and let them run. Just let them go. And it might only be for like 10 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes. Just let them get it out, run, come back in. And I was like, that's a really good. Like technique, You know what I mean? Like that, like, take them outside every hour for 10 minutes and see if that doesn't increase your productivity for the 40 minutes you have. Them. You know, just little things like that. Um, but just I think the economic thing is huge to me. And the fact that we let someone outside of our culture tell us what's important, what education is, and what our children need that have never laid foot in our community. Mm -hmm. Like, I think education is going to differ from community to community, city to city, state to state. Like, no system should actually really look exactly the same because every city has something else to offer their children, every culture, because every every city has a different culture. So we're going to have a different teaching style. We're going to have different just the different things in nature that we can use to teach like every everything should be different and it's like and we keep trying to put everybody in this box and i think that's another thing with education is we keep trying to put everybody in a box and make education look the same thing for everybody and expect them all to succeed and we know from just basic knowledge saying that everything doesn't work for everybody just like every medication doesn't work they doctors put people on different educations and do the same thing and switch it around. Da, 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 da. Like, our brains are the same same as our bodies. Like, every prescription that you give for education is not going to work for every child. Like, you can talk to some kids and they get it. Some kids you need to show. Some kids need to do it themselves. You know what I mean? Like, some kids are going to take two or three days for it to hit home. Some kids, as soon as you tell them, they're going to be like, oh, okay, I got you. And someday, some kids need two or three days for it to soak in. Like, so... That's the other problem is we try to make it cookie cutter. So I think economics and putting kids in
1: a box are the two biggest things for me. All right, and <clears throat> economics is a huge factor, especially within the Black community. I don't think people realize that uh, the power of the Black dollar. Uh, black people have an annual uh, spending power of one trillion dollars. That's right, one trillion dollars annually we spend. Um, that's a large amount of money. Um, mm-hmm. And most of that has gone towards things that we do not own remotely. And does not come back towards a black community. And I think that's one of the biggest factors. I mean, you can see just oh, um, in terms of you know, the inner cities, you go to your inner city, uh, you know, most black community. Um, so, you know, majority of the whole you know, cities is black. However, you go to your local, your gas station, your, um, your, 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 your 7-Eleven, you go to your nail salon, um, you go to different level, your grocery store. Most of the time they're owned by other actually minorities not black people and within that it's like they're coming to our communities and now that our black dollar just goes out of hand within a matter of seconds now am i faulting those people for coming for eating no they, they gotta dig they, they're, they're hustling get it, get your job what i'm challenging for a black community though is not understanding that at times we enlarge uh, our mindset that we have a oppressed mindset or we give ourselves reasons why we cannot strive um, and, yeah, it just has a history has a long, this country of a long, vast history of uh, oppressive ways and, 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 and white supremacy and racism. Yeah, absolutely. However, in 2017, we are beyond that. Um, and, that's why, and, 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 and that's why people don't understand, like, when, you, when we're self-sufficient and we don't got to rely on a system that was never made for us in the first place, that's when you don't, something can't be, it can't be raised, we're not, you can't be denied opportunities if we have our own opportunities. We're not reaching the exactly.
2: And um, I think I forget who told me this or who said this, but it's like only only black people worry about racism. Everybody else just makes it irrelevant. So like, you don't hear like the Asian people talking about racism because they they own their own stuff. They got Chinatowns here, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Chinatowns, they they all support each other. So your their racism doesn't matter right like i'm pretty sure people are just as prejudiced against the AIDS, like some Asians as they are against like against black people you know what i mean like but guess what they don't need them for anything they don't have to go in their store so they don't experience the, they don't experience it they don't have they don't have to go to that doctor they don't have to go to that hospital they don't have to they don't have to do those things because they have their own and they support their own mm-hmm. now the problem we run into is that Sometimes the ones, the people who do open businesses and stuff in our community may not actually be the, the most savvy in, in business because they're most likely had a subpar education. And a lot of, cause I mean, I know people like in my mom's neighborhood, they start businesses. Some of them haven't, might've graduated high school or not. They might have a lawn care business. At car washes, they got all this stuff, but they don't actually, ha- they didn't, they don't have the education because it wasn't taught of how to actually run a business, how to, you know what I mean, they don't really, maybe they don't all the way think about customer service, they were just thinking about, I'm gonna have my own business, I'm gonna make my own, own money, I'm not gonna work for anybody, but they don't have the other side, so sometimes they lack support because they don't, they don't offering the best product or the best service or something competitive. Or they're what people call unprofessional, mm-hmm. which that's just, I don't know. I, part of me feels like that's just white supremacy on the brain that we don't think anything mm-hmm. we do is good enough. Yep. And and we have to make everything look like them in order, in order for us to give a, our own approval. Mm-hmm. Like, so part of that is that too. I'm like, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, who cares about, oh, uh, I went in there and they were in there just sitting around, da 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 People like, okay and did you did you get what you need did you buy your product did you get your car washed did they cut your grass like was it good but you know it's like we we try to always find something wrong with the people in our community who are actually doing something rather than trying to figure out how we can help them so it's like yeah they're always out of this or out of that or blah 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 blah, 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 blah. like how can you help them you know what i mean like we know we need this in our community. We need our own businesses. We need somewhere to go to spend our money where somebody is going to come back and spend money in our business. Like we need that in our community, but all we do is nitpick and nitpick and nitpick and nitpick. And then the people who have successful businesses, they go outside of the community. Like I went to a private Jesuit school for high school and not one person at that school, one black person at that school now that I can think of works in a community where they were. For those that for those of us who got, let's say, like scholarships or, you know, we were the 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 reach out and bring some, some of the poor people in. <laughs> <laughs> that crowd. None of none of none of them worked in the community, which they came from for the most part, hell, most, and I I can say, and uh, out of all the men, none of them even married black women. Hmm. So, you know, so then there's that disconnect to where we get in that world and we learn it and we learn that, you know, the professional, the corporate, what, you know, what's put in our face. And then we actually do devalue where we came from and we, we skip to the other side. We want to, we want to have, we want to have our business, far out. You know what I mean? We want to we want and I'm and I know some of our our neighborhoods are full of crime, so I'm not blaming those people either. You know what I mean? But it's all a problem. You know what I mean? It's it's all a problem built on top of another problem on top of another problem and solution instead of actually getting to the foundation and fixing fixing the foundation and really solving the problem, we keep looking for ways out or ways in the same system. Um but it's like, we're never going to be good enough in this system, you know? It's, it's never going to be good enough. And then our people are never going to accept anything from us because they're being educated by people other than us not to accept us. You know what I mean? Like, so when you go in somewhere, and I know people do this all the time, when you go into somewhere and you see a black person that's a CEO, people automatically bring it down a notch. Mm. And like my my friend who's a uh he coaches and teaches, he's like he's like, It's weird. He's like I, black parents come in and they'll yell at me, Motherfucker do this, motherfucker this, you ain't doing my son, da da da, da 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 He was like, But let 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 a white motherfucker be sitting in there. They could be a fucking IA. They don't say shit to them. They are all respectful <laughs> and got smiles and everything. But the fact that I'm black I, they can just disrespect me off the bat. Like he... And, It's that type of attitude and that that's really, really hurting us making any progress Mm -hmm. on any level, but especially economically. You know what I mean? Like, if we can't even, like, we don't even have to like each other to know that we need to build economically together, like.
1: Right. And it gets so deep and there's so many, like, psychological factors that go into it as well. And just like with, with, with the black community and understanding that people... People need us cause we're con- black people. Are consumers, not producers. Unfortunately, in a large front, especially in the economic aspect. And like, thing about all right during like the election season, right? You see at times where you have your candidates always pander to the black people, right? Like they're like, oh, we're gonna help you, but you don't see them at times, right? They don't, they don't pander, pander to the Asian community. They, they don't pander to the Jewish community. They don't pander to the Korean community, or, or or the Arab community, Indian community. You know why? Because those people practice group economics and support each other. It don't matter whoever's gonna be president we going to eat, B. Like, it doesn't matter because, in the end of day, they're going to support each other, regardless of what happens. But black people, now we rely so much on these people mm-hmm. for all our everything. We are not self sufficient. And that, that it messes up because it's like at times we complain about, you know, white supremacy and different factors. And it's like, so you expect, to, pretty much, we expect the same people that oppress us to say, all right, we're done oppressing you. Here you go. Nah, they're there not going to fix the problem. <laughs> like, what? Hey, like, that don't even
2: make sense. That would be dumb on their part. Right. I mean, not c- considering we know their motive. You know, like, if your motive is, pow- is power, it would be dumb of you to be like, oh, okay, here, I'm going to give you a good education. One right. When it's actually going to free your mind. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? One is going to actually teach you how to build your business and build economics and what the government really is and All what right. we've really done, we don't want to do. We, yeah, we're going to give you that education.
1: All right. Here go the tools like, so we can't exploit you anymore. All right. Yeah. All right. Right. Ain't happening, and and another factor as well, it goes into it, and especially uh, uh, of the psychological factor of, of, of black people always comparing our situation to white people is always uh, uh, always a constant comparison, and it's a deterring factor because it, it goes into uh, being inferior con- uh, mindset, and like you said, you know, uh, you be a black principal administrator, right? A teacher come in, a parent come in, and they curse you out and stuff like that. It's a white principal, so like that, or, or a teacher, they're not doing none of that, and I think it goes into the whole factor of always comparing. Thing like just in terms of economic front, you go to let's say you go to a park right, and let's say there's a white guy selling hot dog two dollars. Oh, that's cool, right? You go to Asian guys selling hot dog uh, two dollars. Oh, that's cool, right? Korean guys on hot dog two dollars. Cool. Jewish guys selling hot dog two dollars. Cool. Go to a black person son hot dog two dollars and ten cents. What my nigga? Are you serious? The fuck you think this is? <laughs> like, and it starts spazzing and it goes this crazy mindset of like, we don't support black businesses. Understand that. Our stuff may be priced a, a, a dollar more, a couple dollars more, but that trickles back into our community. Like, it goes back in – it should go back in hand. And it's because we don't – we haven't had the
2: foundation to build to be able to have our prices down. So it takes time. You know what I mean? Like, everybody can't have Walmart prices because you don't have Walmart's money to invest mm-hmm. and buying in bulk. Like, people – like I said – Another thing about us being miseducated is even the, co- the consumers, the customers, don't really understand business. So when you when, when you're when you go you're used to shopping at Walmart and getting stuff for dirt cheap because of uh, child labor, uh, them paying ridiculously low wages and all kind of slave wage work, mm-hmm. and they can give you they can offer you that for a dollar but you go somewhere else let's say to a black a black owned business and they it's it's 2 dollars there and you want to go off and talk about all this stuff cuz you don't understand business you don't understand the power of your money and that you giving all this money to Walmart brings down their prices so if you can make the sacrifice to stay with to stay here with this with this person for a while and we can build as a community we can be, we can bring down our own prices you know like we don't we don't understand so we're just like that's too much that costs more. so whatever you know what I mean like because we don't understand business. we don't understand what it's you know like because we weren't taught basic business. I did take an economy class in high school but I was like my high school experience was completely different than the average person because I went to a private Jesuit school like, where they train the, their best, <laughs> like, right. I, you know, like, I, I graduated with people that went to, like, John Hopkins, and, like, are being, like, political leaders, and running for stuff, like, I went to school with that crowd, right. you know, where doctors, lawyers, that's, like, a minimum, <laughs> so, I had a different education, so you, you kind of, I kind of got an understanding about business, and, and things like that, and had the options of taking economics, and and uh, from from quality people, for people who are going to actually be in the classroom, I can say we rarely had subs. You know, like so. I think it all stems back to our education at the same time, too.
1: Okay, so the, the piggyback off of that, just sort of the education, the experience, and just kind of the whole supporting each other and having that, you know, that system. So especially with. In a Black America, you know we supposed to be the land of freedom and, and getting our independence, right? So you are involved with a uh, particular alliance, gained geared out of understanding of understanding of Black people, indigenous rights here in this country, and everything like that. Could you please mm-hmm. expand more of what you're involved with and everything you do? What was the last part? I'm sorry. Uh, just got to explain uh, what you're involved with, with and uh, like what you do with it.
2: Okay. Yes. Um. Well, it's called Kevlon Alliance. We are an organization for Indigenous people, which if you know, if we read about it, we know that we were here before Columbus. Yes. We didn't come on ships. Nope. There were plenty of um, people they enslaved right here from this land. <laughs> like, um, and a lot of the so-called Native Americans would be what we consider black people. Mm-hmm. So, um, our organization is founded by and for indigenous people to this land known as America. So that's North America, South America and all the islands. Um, And the thing about it is, is any, then once you're born on this land, wherever you exit your mother's womb and touch the ground, that's where you're indigenous to. So we do, you know, that's everybody, you know, that's not just, that's not just people, so-called black people. Because we want to, you know, we want to feel good and we want to separate and we want to, you know, do these things because we have to follow universal law. Mm -hmm. So universal law says wherever you come out of the womb and touch the ground, that's where you're indigenous to. So it is not by any means an exclusive group that can that can uh, leave out anybody lawfully. And if we're going to make a stand on law, we have to be lawful in it. So we can't deny anyone who is indigenous to this land, as long as they choose to abide by our laws, which we have the Elohim's Handbook for Kebilon Alliance in America, is available for download. Um, we accept them. We have to accept them because basic rules are you, you, uh, you don't steal, you don't kill, and you don't interfere with anyone else's pursuit of happiness. So even a KKK member, I need them to be a part of Kevlon Alliance because that's what, you're gonna follow our laws. And what does that law mean? You can't kill me, you can't steal from me and you can't interfere with my pursuit of happiness. So therefore, if you're a part of Kevlon Alliance, I don't have to worry about you, hmm. you know? Like we're, I, that, that, that is the mindset that I look at it as because the moment that you do step outside of the law, now, legally, <laughs> lawfully, not legally, lawfully, we can we can address this now. You know, we, now we can actually address this rather than us going through a court system that supports racism. We have our laws and what we do under these circumstances, which is, I mean, you're basically kicked out of the alliance because we can only build on we got to be safe first, you know? So... That's, the, that's the, the base of it. Okay. Um, and we do, we get rid of all titles, so there won't be black people, there's no white people, there's no Indian, whatever, because those are all titles that this government, the United States of America, the corporation has copyrighted. Therefore, they run anything associated with those terms. Hmm. So as long as we agree to being black, or and white, or... Whatever else they have for you to check a box, Hispanic, Latino, all of that stuff, they can then run us based on us agreeing to be these titles. They put us in a caste system. We know that white is at the top and pretty much black is at the bottom of the caste system. However, everyone is getting cheated from top to bottom. Hmm. Um, and until we act, and I, and I feel like even if you are. For good reason, I understand for good reason, very suspicious of so-called white people and their motives. Um, At the same time, as long as we continue to try to divide from them, we are pushing them to be against us. Because if you leave someone without any defense, well, yeah, maybe they don't agree with that side. But we reject them where they, they're going to go for acceptance somewhere. So we're, they're going to go to that side. Again, we need them on this side. We don't need them, but we like them on this side because our numbers together will help overcome what we're, what we're facing. So, and if we're the leaders of the world, if we're the people that invented everything, that means we have always been the teachers. We have always accepted everybody to an extent. You know what I mean? Like, we have always... I mean, the Moors went and civilized. They went through Europe like we—that's always been us. We just have to learn and do it better. You know what I mean? We have to secure ourselves better, and um, and I think that's what Kevlon Alliance is. And we are—we um, the founder already went and spoke to the United Nations. We are applying for consultative status at the end of this year. Um, which then will give our flag will actually be recognized. When you see the whole the world of flags, we will have one there because hey. it's just a corporation. That's all those flags represent, corporations of groups of people who said, hey, we're, we're coming under this flag and we have some concerns. Hmm. Well, the flag that we're all under now, they don't take our concerns into consideration. Right. And because we agree to be the titles and say that they can run us, and they have full control, the rest of the world can't even help us. Like, no, nobody, like, you know how we, the U.S., not we, the U.S. has send the military, their military out to the Middle East, to Africa, wherever, and just start saying they're liberating people and blah, 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 all this stuff. No other country can come here and do that for us because we're not even people. Like, we're not, we're not even people, we're corporate citizens. And so we, it's like we're employees of the United States of America.
0: Uh-huh.
2: That's what we're, we're considered employees of the United States of America. So another, another employee, like the, the manager at Burger King can't go in McDonald's and tell the, the, tell the McDonald's manager that they're doing wrong. That's not, that's not how this works. Like I can't come and tell your employees how to work or tell you how to treat your employees or come fight, which you you know, like that's just. That's just not how the system works. So that's a big thing I've seen overseas too, is why they say, you know, stupid, they think Americans are stupid and arrogant is because we don't even know that we're slaves. We've been enslaved to the corporate system.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And that's why they, that's why they, that's why so many people look down on us. I mean, you know what I mean? Like that's why overseas, that's, that's why they get, they have some, they'll have an attitude, a certain attitude with us or whatever on top of kind of the ignorance that is America. It's not even just us, but the ignorance that is America. Um, so I think Kevalon is just trying to answer or has, has answered um, those questions about how, how do we actually se- secure our, our freedom? How do we then also build business? How do we protect our families? How, you know, it's, it's answering all of that because, every family within Kevlon, it's a family thing. So, you know, we're building the family back up. It's a family thing. So, you know, membership fees are for the family, like for your whole family, not per person. It's for your whole family. Every family, we're doing the paperwork for every family to help them set up a trust so that they can actually protect their assets and pass them down from generation to generation and start to build wealth. Um, So every family will have a trust. We wanna encourage every family to have a business. Even if a group of families get together and start a business. Like we're we are pushing the self sustaining what and, and it's people say, you know, that's gonna be hard or we, you know, it's gonna take a long time to build and blah, blah 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 and like all this naysayer, oppressed mind type of ideas because that's what they have white supremacy stuck on their head. They don't feel like we can do better or anything and but we are the, the actual people are the greatest resources our, our birth certificates are traded on the on the stock market as or the world market as claro. uh, agriculture because yeah, we are claro. the land mm-hmm. you know like so we're, we are the resource mm-hmm. like we are the land we that's why we could literally Go to the United Nations and say, "Hey, this is who we are, and this is the land we're on. This is where we, you know, what I mean, like, this is where we came from, and this is the claim we're making because we essentially are the land. Like, so they can't, they can't deny that. Right. And so, if we have, okay, you've been in education, you're a coach. I have an education degree. I've been coaching. I've been counseling. Um, my sisters ran restaurants. I have a sister that's an accountant. I have a sister that's a lawyer. We are our greatest resource. We don't need it. We don't need anything from them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I mean? Like, at this point now, we have enough education. We have enough resources to make this happen, to, to build something else. Like, we have everything we need if everyone could actually get over themselves and come together. Like, we have everything we need
0: mm-hmm.
2: and um, Kevlon our first projects are, are the projects we're currently working on On our first but our, the co- projects we're currently working on is we're trying to get into education as soon as possible so daycare early education we're trying to get them from the jump so that's um, one thing and the other thing is a business complex for our members so we want to have a strip mall that it's all Kevlon members, all Kevlon business, and it will be ran with the idea of it's open to the public, however, Kevlon members receive a discount, and that's how we build. Um, and we have a non- we are, we're have linked with a, a nonprofit that's not actually linked to us, but we can utilize <laughs> hmm. Um, we have a nonprofit, we have, we're, we have a free church cause we are first of all we're a spiritual organization first and foremost, because our, our drive is to free us from this rat race and from this crazy chaos so that we can rise back and beyond what we've been. Um, but if you can't eat and you can't, you don't have anywhere to sleep and all this other stuff, like you can't rise you know what I mean? We can't rise above that. Like, you know, eating and living is kind of basic to life, so how are we going to work on meditation and all these metaphysical things when the actual physical is fucked up? <laughs> like, so that is why we we dove into the political side and, and the freedom and, and business building and all that so that we can get to the more spiritual stuff and really start to see our people grow and wake up and become the, and, and, and live up to that potential of the people who built the pyramids mm-hmm. of all these great civilizations but the civilization we're a part of, that many are a part of right now, is like, aim to keep you down so Kevlon came to balance that to give people an option of something to lift them up
1: hmm. Wow, well definitely uh, applaud you for being involved in that, I mean it's definitely something so needed uh, especially gaining our self-sufficiency and our independence and understanding yeah this is just a uh the, the, the corporate enslavement just totality white and black we're all part of the system um in, in a large aspect you know especially you know you know being born you, you have a, a birth certificate and death certificate like I mean, you're not you're not legally born until you have a certificate you're not legally dead to a certificate you have a social security mm-hmm. number that is a, you your, you your your number that they own by you now like you said you're Your birth certificate is is, is traded. (laughs) I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, we're literally like we're we're collateral. We're we're chattel. Um, We are the resources. That is us. And so, like you said, we have you know so many people that are doing great things. If we just came together more of a community and and supported each other, we don't need anyone else. We do everything ourselves. And that's one of the biggest things. You know, people say you know you know uh, stay woke i'm woke and stuff like that people i realize who are self proclaimed woke really are not woke <laughs> okay like they know no. little conspiracy here and there or understand little systems about injustice but besides that they don't get deep they don't have solutions a lot of lot of, lot of grievances no solutions and that's the difference and understand the large the larger picture and uh-huh. not getting caught up in the the micro but seeing the the macro seeing the the, the bigger side to it and so that's why it's really dope. In fact, we I mean, go United Nations. I mean, I mean that's that's huge. Um, yeah, and how they people then, like stand that? Like,
2: yeah, and we and and, and the, the beautiful thing about it is we build we build on what our ancestors did. Which so the Malcolms, the Noble drew our leaves. Um, Elijah Muhammad, like everybody, had a piece. Mm-hmm. Everybody had an idea. You know what I mean? We we, but what we didn't know or it didn't we didn't do it. Let's say right to where we could protect it was the fact that we didn't go we didn't say we were indigenous we are still claiming their titles so therefore they run it they run us and no one else can protect us so they can bomb black wall street mm-hmm. why because it's theirs you know what I mean like and there are no people there There are only corporations and corporations can't corporations can't be bodily harmed So there's no, there's truly no crime. So I think we got to get people to stop looking at it. So personally, Mm -hmm. it's, it's true. It's not personal. It is because personally it's your life. So it is personal, but they don't see us as people. So it can't be, if if a person doesn't see you as a person, it can't be personal. Like they don't even see us as people. So it's not personal. It's, It's a system that they put in place that we've, continue to be trapped in over and over again. And so when we, when Thomas actually, the founder, um, Thomas Edward McGrone L, when he, the light, he had a near-death experience, and that's when Kevlon came to mind. That's when he woke up with Kevlon in his head. So he's like, he's already seen the end. He's just like, we just gotta get there, you know? So when he realize that we didn't have representation at the United Nations he um, he he put Kevlon together he filed his paperwork for him personally and he went as a nation of one <laughs> at that point in his family but he just went as a nation of one and spoke for his nation and now he's like alright I went and told him I had a nation <laughs> <laughs> Now let me go get one. You know what I mean? Because he was, his thing was he didn't want to get all these people first and then go there and have some stuff wrong. Right. So he went as himself first, and uh, you know did that. So now they can't label us a terrorist group because that's what the Black Panthers were. Mm-hmm. That's what Move was. That's what the Nation of Islam. You know what I mean? Like, right. oh, well, Nation of Islam is a little bit different because they're a religion. Right. So they they kind of they get that that leeway. Um, but that's, they label them terrorists, domestic terrorists. So then they have, they, they can treat them as any way that they feel. Mm -hmm. But now that we're saying we're indigenous people and we have our own nation, our own laws, our own, we got our, our handbook. You know what I mean? We got IDs, we have license plates, we have, we are literally functioning as our own nation, to the best of our ability, being in hostile territory, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, uh, when, once he really explained it to me and I seen what it was, I'm like, so this is basically whatever we make it. Like, I was like, there's nothing to stop us from, if we get enough people that are ready to buy houses and go and buy up a whole housing edition or, or build a housing edition and all live there and have our own security. And we don't need we don't need the city police, you know. They we don't have any corporations here for y'all to secure. So y'all don't have any reason to be in our community. So it's literally whatever we have the imagination to make it.
1: Right. That's... But we
2: just have to get out of this mindset that we can't do anything. Like it's it's it gets a little maddening. same spot it gets a little it, and you start to wonder like these people ain't conscious they ain't woke
1: mm-hmm.
2: like because you're still doing the same thing so you have to be asleep right like so
1: and that's that's dope and there's so many levels to it especially for yourself mentally spiritually physically economically socially <laughs> uh, i mean just starting over getting out of this system and 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 Having that in true independence, self sufficiency, mm-hmm. and that's something very, very great. And I, I, look forward to learning more about it, supporting as much as I can. I mean, I think every "quote unquote" Black American should be, should be, we should be gearing towards this. instead of begging and and wanting our problems fixed. Let's go and make our solutions and fix them ourselves. Right, yep. And I mean, here it is. I mean, that's that's what we gotta do. Um, so as just move along here, kind of transitioning towards the end, I definitely want to talk about your book um, and give your lead talk about what is your book about, and just kind of your experience as a strong black female in today's society.
2: Okay, um, Sister, Sister, A Woman's Guide to Self, that is the title of my book. It is, basically, it takes the reader, which, it says sister, Sister, A Woman's Guide to Self, three of the chapters are kind of geared towards women, the rest are pretty much anybody, so you got six chapters that goes for everybody. Three are talking about motherhood, sisterhood, and men. So those three chapters. But I found a lot of men actually find those chapters really interesting because it's a side that they don't get to see, you know. So or some things they don't really hear women talk about because that's something women only talk about with women. Um. So, but it takes the reader on a journey to figure out what it is that they really think, what it is that they really value, um, what stuff that they were taught that doesn't actually serve them or is, it's not what they truly value. It's like, for example, one of the things I, I talk about is monogamy. Everyone talks about monogamy being this thing that we all need and, the you know, but that's not, that may not necessarily be what you need. That just might be something you were taught. Because we know polygamy has been around since the beginning pretty much also, you know, so, it's, so there, there's certain thoughts and things that we learn through culture, through indoctrination, um, through our parents, through our families, through society, through TV, that have us, um, that create this value system that may not, not necessarily really be our values. So my book just challenges people to strip down everything that they think they value and actually figure out what they value. So we start with, like, learning how to love yourself because that's the foundation is how you love yourself. So, you know, do you love yourself if you look in the mirror and you, and you immediately look, look at something that's wrong? You know, like, if the first thing you, when you look in the mirror, the first thing in the morning you you focus on what's wrong instead of what's right, you can't really truly love yourself, you know? So it's just and getting rid of those bad, negative thoughts in your head, and I guess it, it's kind of leaning into, like, self-help area, um, but in a way that is not corny to me. Mm-hmm. Because being, being a counselor I, and going, you know, being probably the only I don't I I normally don't use the terms black because I I gave up my color label I'm an American national but being what people would see as the only black person in my master's program and seeing like some of the theories and some of the ways they tell you to interact with your clients I immediately knew that wasn't going to hit home with like my family people I grew up with people I went to school with kindergarten through eighth grade (laughs) like I knew that wasn't, that wasn't it. So like this book is my attempt to take the knowledge that I got from school and my life experiences from growing up with my family and my communities and neighborhoods and and merging it together and giving the people something that I think can help them. Because a lot of our people, if they even do try to go to counseling, it's so horrible because it's so unresponsive to what we need. But they don't go back Hmm. so that's my book is trying to basically your little pocket counselor like to help you find yourself because once you find yourself I think more people are going to be likely to start to think on their own and be more likely to want to branch out and do join another feel like they can join another nation or feel like they can build a self-sufficient society outside of the U.S. corporation like but when people really start to embrace what they think and who they really are we'll see this growth happen because school is not doing education is not doing that so we have to supplement education and that's what my book is aimed to do
1: wow that's that's amazing um and that's something that everybody needs and can use um and especially I think come from you having this experience and you know how, how you're presented I mean it's, it's very dope and, and we and we need to support things like that um it's kind of very very actually motivating um and it's very dope that you've accomplished so much and done so many things um so yes where can we find the book?
2: um my website has the www dot V-I-N-E dot com um, is on that first, the home page. The, the cover of my book is there. You click on it and you can buy it. All right. So it's made pretty simple. I'm not on Amazon because you get like $3 a book off of Amazon and they eat off of you. And a lot of the people who are bestsellers on Amazon make not that much money. Mm. Like I read a story that said this guy—he was the third bestseller on Amazon that year. He think he got a twelve thousand dollar check. Hmm. So wow. <laughs> I will eventually—I um, will eventually put it on Amazon because I do have people like actually in other countries that I want to be able to get the book. I'm not doing international shipping, and I do want to—you know—it to be mass and wide. But I first want to sell it myself to try to help myself and get people to support me. And then i um, like, I'm going to Dallas in August. I'm planning a trip to D.C. and Atlanta all before the end of the year. <laughs> um, and I'm going to be trying to going out to bookstores, small bookstores, black-owned bookstores, and um, getting it on their shelves, see if they'll put it on their websites, because I want us to make money off of it first. Mm. I want us to buy it from us. I want us to support, not support Amazon like they I they got enough support. I buy all my supplements from Amazon. So <laughs> <laughs> they get enough they get enough support. Um but when it comes to creative stuff, when it comes to things that we are making on a small level, I feel like we really need to um buy from each other and support each other and I I can't I can't say that and then put my stuff on Amazon. For me, that's just me. I can't speak for anyone else and what they feel comfortable doing. But for me, I can't say support small business and then go give my book to the biggest competitor to small business. Mm, True. You know, so um, that is where you find the book on my website. So, and I started my second book. I'm probably... I got my outline and some good points going in it. It's a parenting book, um, just to help children, parents relate to children's better, to their children better. So, um, all the funds from this, from the sister sister book, are going to help me write this next book. So, like the more time I have to devote, the quicker I can get it done. So, um, that's what sister um, sister sister fund my next project. And the next project and so forth and so on and I just want to I'm gonna have a I just want to offer a lot of things for people to take and choose from that they need help with
1: oh, that's um that's dope all right so make sure you check that out um, this has been a terrific interview. I'm definitely to have you back on here again because still a lot of other stuff we didn't get to talk to a touch on but we definitely will um, this is a very informative conversation um, just in general you know just to summarize you know I mean the education system is something very valuable within our community we need to focus on um, especially in today's youth they're faced with so many different other factors and things that we can't even imagine and especially have accessibility to different technologies, technology social media remember parents kids emulate everything you do say present around them we more everything <laughs> so we got to be more conscious of what we're doing around our kids and don't blame them necessarily for all the actions and have to have a reality check with yourself. Um in terms of quote unquote Black America, um, we can be self-sufficient. We can have the independence. We we can make we can have our own. It it is possible. It definitely is. We got to start with ourselves. Um, we have to come together. Have definitely more unity and support. Um, and, and just in general, I mean, we had to focus on ourselves first before we focus on anyone else. And focus on yourself. That goes a long way. Make sure you check out Sister Sister on a website, which we'll link in the thread to this on, on Twitter. Okay, so maybe check it out as well on there. Um, how can people? How can we find you? Where, where are we on social media? Email? What's so? up? Oh
2: man, Twitter. Uh, if, you, if you type in a giant Divine, I'll pop up. I think my handle is actually YR Gods. Y E underscore Gods underscore or er, R underscore Gods. Um, Instagram a giant Divine. Uh, my Facebook page, Jada Divine, uh, Med. Look that up. I'm on Facebook. My Snapchat the Jada Divine. You can find me Instagram, Jada hey. Divine. I'm, I'm everywhere. Everywhere, I'm everywhere you want to be. YouTube. I got a YouTube channel okay. with videos. Um, I do post those videos on my website at a ver- at a slower rate, but all the channels are, they're all there on my YouTube channel. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I got the social media covered. But it's all it's all a giant divine, so okay. should be pretty easy to find.
1: Awesome. Well, this was a very very great conversation. I want to thank you again for having the privilege of coming on my show. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. So as usual, guys in the world, you may not agree with everything you heard today, but at least hope you walk away with a different perspective and understanding. As usual, make sure you stay tuned, stay hip, stay connected.